I'm a huge believer in stepping into your voice power because I've just seen over 30 years now what it can do for you. It's a power piece. It's a confidence piece. All of those people who are afraid of public speaking, afraid of using their voice, have thought about it for years and years and years and years, run to the roar and finally be free and step into that power. It's there, it's waiting, and it's life-changing. Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. I'm laughing because Kalanzi and I have been trying to record an interview with our superstar expert today, and we've had every possible technical glitch that you can imagine, so we have to starve our own doubts when it comes to technology today. So uh, Kamanzi from Aloha from Maui, Hawaii. Welcome, Kamanzi Constable from KamanziConstable.com. How are you, sir? Well, I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic because before the sun wasn't out, but now the sun is shining, so... Maybe um, it's going to cooperate here in Maui. So you can see clearly now the rain has gone. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that'll open up a path to the whatever internet waves. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to happen. So today we're fortunate. Uh, Kamanzi, you've done some public speaking recently and uh, TEDx talks and, and major conferences in Vegas. And I thought, well, now that you've got that out of the way, why don't we bring a voice technique and presentation skills expert on the show <laughs> so you can learn probably what you did wrong in, in the past <laughs> presentations. But uh, that person is Tracy Goodwin. So she's internationally known as the red sweater lady. She's the owner of Captivate the Room. She is a voice technique and presentation skills expert. And people can learn more about Tracy by going to theredsweaterlady.com. Tracy, we're going to do it again. We, we've tried this interview a couple times. I think we got it this time. But, you know, I'm still excited. I'm still really <laughs> excited about being here. Thank you guys for having me. Well, Tracy, we appreciate you. And earlier when we attempted this recording, we brought up the icebreaker question. You started to answer it and uh, we didn't quite get through it. So we're going to try it again. What is the best concert that you have ever been to? Well, it was 1983 Journey. Journey. Now, Journey, um, that sounds like a good concert. I mean, because, yeah, kamanzi has been guilty of singing Don't Stop Believing, I'm sure, once or twice in his life. Yeah, but Tracy, not not actual Journey. I like the Glee cast version of it. Okay. Okay. There you go. All right. I like that too, but. Yeah, but yeah, no, please. That, that wasn't the question. So. Yeah, no. set, set him straight, Tracy. That's right. So I, I, so I had to go with my honest answer. You know, I am guilty of being stuck in the 80s, Kamanzi. So you got to forgive me. Tracy, did they play separate ways at that concert? Well, yeah. As they should. As they should. Tracy, I'm going to be honest with you here. It was at like the season, the end of season one or two or three. I don't know. One of those seasons of Glee where that song came on and Corey and Michelle, they were uh, like kind of going back and forth in their relationship. And he told her he loved her right before they started singing that song. And I was just crying during the whole song. You know, I did not see that episode, but I mean, everybody was talking about it. So I know it must have been outstanding because people were talking about it for weeks. Jared, are you still... I'm, I'm I'm crying <laughs> that crying. you don't like Journey like that, that. That doesn't make sense to me. So Tracy, I don't know if you know this about Kamandi, but he is a fan of Taylor Swift. Do you have an opinion on that? Well, on Taylor Swift or Kamandi being a fan of Taylor Swift? <laughs> <laughs> I think you just said everything that needed to be said <laughs> in then the clarification. Any there. more questions? So Tracy, <laughs> just so you know the full story. Last week, I spoke at the Reader's Legacy uh, Writers Conference in Vegas. 
I flew there on Monday from Maui. I got to Vegas at like Tuesday at like 1 a.m. I was there for five hours. I stuck $1 in the slot and I won 23 bucks. I pulled that ticket out. I was running around the airport like I beat the house. I beat Vegas. <laughs> so I was there for five hours, but then I hopped on a flight and went to Louisville, Kentucky. There, I got off the flight from Louisville at like four in the afternoon, and I was there for Taylor Swift's concert there, 1989 World Tour. And I got off the flight, showered, got my shirt that I had decorated all up in glitter, and got to the concert. Had some great seats, second row. Taylor Swift comes out after the opening act. There's two 14-year-old girls sitting on either side of me. Taylor comes out. They're like, yes, like Taylor. Woo. And I'm just there crying. Like, that's Taylor. That's Taylor. I'm just crying. It was, it was amazing. You are pretty serious about this, aren't you? Oh, Jared? <laughs> Jared. Serious. I mean, he went from Maui to Vegas to Vegas to Louisville, Kentucky, just yeah. to be in Kentucky for one evening to go see Taylor Swift. So I would say that's serious. Yeah, that is pretty serious. Yeah, I was never quite that serious about my journey. Can we, can we still be friends, Tracy? I, you know, I was thinking the same thing a minute ago. I was just thinking, you know, I hope that we can still be friends because I think I like this guy despite the odds. One thing I hope, Tracy, that comes from this conversation today is that people will be equally serious about their voice technique and presentation skills. How do you like that segue? Me too. I love that segue, and I am 100% in love with that. So, Tracy, <laughs> let's get into the content here. What is it about the voice that's so important? Well, the thing about the voice is it is truly the most powerful piece we have. It's the mouthpiece. No pun intended. It's the power <laughs> piece. You know, we get bogged down in the words, but it is the voice and what you do with it that has the power to change lives, yours and others, if you know how to use it. Tracy, what's a good example of knowing how to use it? Knowing how to use your voice to engage people, knowing how to use your voice to persuade people, knowing how to use your voice to be empathetic towards people, knowing how to communicate your message to people. Okay, so Tracy, what exactly can people gain by using their voice instead of not using their voice? Well, for one thing, when I just, you know, we kind of, that's a great segue one, they can communicate their message. And I think that, you know, that's a big part of it is people are afraid to communicate their message. They get really bogged down in what people are going to think. And if they know how to use their voice, then they have much more of an ability to touch lives. And like a perfect example of that is, you know, we've all heard people on, maybe not, I don't know, maybe not on TV, but I'll use the example of webinars or trainings or even in, you know, business, business meetings. And it just, not, I mean, they're just flat. There's no variety. They're just not really, there's just nothing interesting going on there. So they're not really making the impact on their audience, large or small, because they're not really using their voice to the best of their ability. They're not really using it as a power piece. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I We've had interviews on this show where we've had great people who are extremely smart, who know their stuff, but when we listen to it after the fact, it's just kind of like, in a way, it's like the teacher from Charlie Brown. It's like, eh, yeah. like eh. well, you know, sometimes, Jared, I, I use this example and sometimes I, I get a little nervous that I'm going to offend people and I don't mean to. But 
when I teach a voice workshop or a voice class, I'll say, you remember the college professor that had the reputation that you're going to fall asleep in his or her class? And that sometimes was the most brilliant teacher in that department. It's not, you know, they're geniuses, but they deliver everything with the same value and there's no unpredictability. And like that Charlie Brown voice, just like you're talking about. Yeah, we've had some of that. The content's reasonable. It's good. But yeah, yeah, just listening back, it's hard to stick with that type of conversation for 20 or 30 minutes. So yeah, I'm hoping you set the record straight today, Tracy. Well, you know, it is. And I went to, I did a workshop once for a software company. And and one of the questions, one of the guys said to me is, what do you do when you know the guy on the other end of the webinar, the phone conversations playing Angry Birds? You know, I mean, same kind of thing. (laughs) And, And of course, my answer was, you better get unpredictable with your voice stat because he knows exactly where you're going. He doesn't need to listen to you. I think Kamanzi just put Angry Birds down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've talked about what doesn't work. So why don't we talk about what works? What are the three most crucial tips for improving your voice? Well, and I just said it, you guys are good. It's like, you're just kind of like segueing me right into where I need to be. I just mentioned in the Angry Birds story, being unpredictable. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but every 90 seconds, our brain tells us to check out. So every 90 seconds, we're fighting that as a speaker, as a presenter, as a business person, as a podcaster, doing a webinar. So the minute you become predictable, you're really rowing upstream because you're fighting that brain saying, check out. And if that brain of that audience member is saying, I know what he sounds like, I know what he's saying. I think I'm going to think about what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. So being unpredictable, becoming unpredictable is crucial. And the way that we do that, first and foremost, we got to add value. We've got to add stress to words. And I kind of don't like that word. Well, stress words, because what people do is they then get loud on something. Well, there's a million different ways that you can stress words, but we have to point things out for our audience. Because if we just clip along and give everything the same value, then it's easy for them to check out. Their brain's already telling them to do so. So stressing words, showing us what's important, where is the value is crucial. But we also have to have shifts in pacing and volume. You know, if we deliver everything at the same speed all the time as we go, it's predictable. Same thing is true for volume. You run along the same volume. Well, what happens when I get quiet? I reel you in, you see. So making those shifts are such game changers for people who, you know, do presentations or webinar trainings or really anything, any kind of speaking. It can be within a company and they do teleconferences or even, um, you know, in the boardroom doing presentations. Making those shifts, creating that unpredictability is so important to keeping and engaging and captivating your audience, which is what you really want. All right. So, Tracy, we talked about volume and you talked about being predictable. What are some of the other biggest mistakes that people make with their voice? They get bogged down in the words. They get so bogged down in a script and the text. And I've got to make sure these words come out because the words are really important and I'm going to focus on the words. And so they sound completely artificial because they're so bogged down in the words rather than simply having a conversation with us that is based around the words. 
you know, I don't know if you guys work off of scripts or not, but I bet if you do, you still, I mean, to me, you sound like you're not working off of scripts, but it still has to become conversational because if you get bogged down in the words, you're not going to be interesting and you're going to be talking at us rather than to us. And that's, you know, if you want to engage your audience, there's got to be a back and forth. And if you're bogged down in reading a script to me, then you're talking at me. That's one of the big mistakes, you know, along with no variety. But people not breathing is really big. And I work with a lot of actors as well. And people just, we just don't breathe. And so we get, you know, locked up, we get stressed out. And and you really, you know, the breath to the voice is like gasoline to the car. You've got to have that breath to really step into the power that you have in your voice so that you can do these things and keep your audience engaged. Because that's what you want at the end of the day. If you want to sell more and teach more and get a, you know, build a tribe. So you have to breathe and connect to the breath. We've heard you talk about your true voice. What does that mean? Well, that is such a really cool thing. And so many people don't talk in their true voice. And I see it. I actually see it a little bit more with women. But our voices are linked to our psychology, really, really, really major. And I don't think that people realize that. There's a lot of women that, and they come to me because they kind of talk in little girl voice and they want to have a more powerful voice. I worked with a guy in New York one time and we had just done dialogue over the internet. His name was Bill and he wanted to have me help him improve his voice. And when I met him, the day he walked in, he was this big, NFL size football player guy. And I had never had a conversation with him. And he stuck out his hand and and I said, Hey, Bill, I'm Tracy. It's so great to meet you. And this big guy said, so nice to meet you. And he had this little voice. And my first question to him was, Hey, Bill, do you have any siblings? And he said, yeah, I have six older sisters. (laughs) So see, Bill had kind of created this voice because he never could get a word in edgewise with his six older sisters. And so what we, you know, that wasn't really his true voice. His true voice was much more powerful. It's like the women who kind of get up in that higher pitch that we call little girl voice. They're not stepping into their power voice. The power voice is the pitch and the voice that feels comfortable and sounds solid. The not the true voice is, is I'm not really, I'm not really sure here. So I'm going to be a little tentative with my voice. And you just don't have enough power if you're not in your true voice. So that's what true voice is. Tracy, I live in South Florida and Kamanzi's in Hawaii. And sometimes I didn't grow up in South Florida. I grew up in the South. So when I'm having a conversation, typically from someone in the Southeast, they have accents, I have an accent, and that accent really comes out when I'm having a conversation with someone who's from the South. And we use all the words that are stereotypical Mm -hmm. of Southerners, but I don't necessarily talk like that when I'm in Miami. What impact can an accent have on conveying your message and, you know, you having the mindset of wanting to use that true voice, but you have an accent? That's such an awesome question, Jared. And I get contacted a lot. I do a lot of accent reduction work and I get contacted from people all over the world. That's kind of where the red sweater lady came from. But I've had executives contact me from the South since you mentioned the South and they wanted to reduce their accent because 
they were perceived around the world as not as smart because I, you know, had a little bit of a Texas thing, Texas twang. But they were obviously geniuses. They're running, you know, I mean, they're very smart, great businessmen. They're running Fortune 500 companies. So I think that having an accent, I think it depends on the degree of it, but I think it can, I do think it can be limiting. And it goes back to that 90 seconds. Our audiences just are not geared to work very hard anymore to stay with us. You know, it's just kind of what we've evolved into. You know, the technology's played a part in that. A lot of things have played a part in that. So we as speakers don't want to give our audience really any opportunity to check out on us. If our audience has to fight an accent that they can't understand or that might be, I'm going to use the term annoying, well, we're making it really easy for them to check out. So I think depending on the degree of the accent, if we can't understand you or if you're saying vowel and consonant things wrong, I think we, you know, I highly recommend adjusting that because nothing but great stuff can come from that. Now, regional things like you're talking about the South or, you know, I saw in New York, I see it a lot too. They'll call me in, you know, they're from Brooklyn and, and they, you know, they got to get rid of it. I think, it, you know, they think you know, they do an international work and there's preconceived ideas, you know, over in, in the other parts of the world. They think if you sound like you're from Texas, you must ride a horse, right? Well, you know, <laughs> it's the same thing holds true for other, you know, Chicago and, and everywhere. So I think the more neutral you can be, the less uh, you're giving your audience an opportunity to, to make to create ideas. All right, so I'm going to have a little fun with you here. Come it on, you, you, you still with me? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. Okay, cool. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the next question in a southern accent, <laughs> and then you can answer the question, but I also want you to give me any tip that uh, or any anything that stands out to you about the way I ask my question. Since we're talking about accents, okay. I think it'll be kind of funny. Sure. So here's the question. All right, here we go. Tracy, what's the most important tip for people doing podcasts as far as their voice is concerned? Okay, I couldn't even listen to that question because I was so distressed by that voice. <laughs> I have no idea what you just right. said. Tracy. I was so <laughs> caught up in, oh my God, I've got to get this guy's number. I've got to talk to him about that voice. <laughs> well, so that was effective then. All right. Yes, outstanding. <laughs> outstanding. And see, that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I'm a voice, you know, expert, and it was hard for me to get past that. So for outside listeners, you know, to adjust that, did you want me to tell you how to fix that? Or you just want me to answer the Maybe I just wanted a cheap laugh. Yeah. Well, it was a good one. So what was the question? Could you ask me that in not that accent? Actually, I'd like Kamanzi to ask that question. Sure. So Tracy... Are you you guys still hear me right? I want to make sure I'm still here. Oh yeah, we. I right, just want to make sure that the Hawaii Wi-Fi didn't get me again. And um, oh. by the way, Jared knows this, Tracy. We have a friend named Jimmy Burgess, and whenever he's doing like a class or he's speaking, like the Southerner in him comes out. So I'm always making fun of Jimmy with his Southern accent. So shout out to Jimmy Burgess, who we know is listening <laughs> to this. So Tracy, most important tip for people doing webinars or videos regarding their voice. And then I also have a follow-up question. So not so much for the podcasters and the video people, but when you talk about voice, does this also apply to like your voice in writing? What do you mean exactly on that? Do you mean by like word choice? Yeah, like your true voice. You talked about true oh, voice. Oh, okay. Yes, I believe so. I think it's clarity of message. 
when we talk about the voice, and this kind of leads back to that first question, part of the power of the voice is in affecting people's lives. We affect people's lives by our ability to make them feel something. If I am connected to my words, if I'm breathing, if I am using adjectives, if I'm taking my voice and I'm using it to really color my adjectives to affect your senses, then I'm affecting your life. And I think, yes, I think it absolutely can be in words, but I think the key word here is about vulnerability. And people don't, oftentimes don't realize that the reason, well, this is what I believe, that a big part of the fear of public speaking is because using your voice is actually very vulnerable. The minute I start telling, like right in this moment, I'm telling you my thoughts and my feelings about this, I'm being very vulnerable. Now, I have a choice. I can give you pat answers or I can give you answers that I really feel and believe. And I think the same thing is very true for words. How do you want to affect your audience? I know I can affect my audience with my voice, but I'm also using a very clear message, something that I very much believe in. We tend to get bogged down in that safety zone of, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want, what are they going to think? I don't want them to think I don't know. So we play it safe and not vulnerable. And sometimes that can be the situation with the voice not being interesting. You know, I just have to be safe here. So I just can't breathe and connect and use this voice. I have to be safe. But if we want to affect lives, if we want to make shifts, we have to be vulnerable because that's how we're going to touch people. And so, yes, in both. Did that answer the question? It did. Come on, you're a writer. So what what does the true voice mean to you as as a writer? I think it means what Tracy said, but I, I think it means not just not holding back. A lot of times we're afraid to put ourselves out there. I mean, there's definitely situations that you probably shouldn't put out there, like especially if another person's involved, like your wife, and you would have to deal with the consequences of of that. But if she's comfortable on board, there's definitely situations like my bankruptcy. When we filed bankruptcy in 2011, that was one of the most gut-wrenching things that we went through. And to be able to put that out there in writing, it really, it was hurt. It was embarrassing. It was one of those things I really would rather not talk about. But when I did, so many people responded and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. So yeah, finding your true voice is that balance of putting it out there, not holding it back and knowing why you would want to hold it back or not. Is it because you're afraid or is there a legitimate reason? So just not holding back anymore. I think with the people that I work with the most, it is about that internal fear. And I have a saying, I say, run to the roar, you know, actors not getting to the next level because it requires that level of vulnerability. Speakers afraid to really get out of the voice box because, you know, exactly what you're talking about, that fear of what people are going to think. And I say, just run to the roar. I love what you're saying here, Tracy, because the message of I went through bankruptcy is even more powerful. I mean, it's a powerful enough statement that people can relate to. And they did. They turned out in droves when you wrote that article, Kamanzi. But when that's said from stage, if you're just saying that and not using some of the tips that you're talking about, Tracy, it won't have the impact that it could have. So I, I think this is a sweet balance of being your true self and saying what you feel compelled to share, but also using some of the tips that you're describing, Tracy. Right. And I think, you know, sometimes, and I hear this from a lot of my students, 
they'll say, but you know, this all feels so fake. And I get that. And it's, you know, I am, I'm a technique teacher and I'm talking technique, but the goal is that it kind of is the boost. It's the skill set, but then you make it your own, you know, you mold it and shape it. And, and just like those words, you know, yeah, that's your story. How do you want to present it? Yeah. This is your voice. How you want to use it. And Tracy, would you say that the way you use your voice has an impact and whether or not people believe you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why, you know, and that's back to that technique thing. When I teach workshops, I can see it in their eyes. You know, I can see them saying, she wants me to go out into the world and do this. No, I want to teach you the heightened pieces. I want to give you the tools, but then you have to make it your own because it has to connect to you and your story, but it has to be, and you have to have the ability to engage the audience. So Tracy, let's talk about engaging the audience. There's probably someone who's listening right now said, I only hit play on this recording today because I want to know, Tracy, how do I captivate the room? Mm -hmm. Well, it goes back to vulnerability. You know, you have to be able to have that unpredictability within your voice. You have to be able to do things that are interesting enough with your voice to captivate me, but it's connected through vulnerability. And, you know, that's like storytelling. Storytelling is really popular right now. Yeah, but how? Okay, is it just the story or is it all of the story? And where is the passion in the story? Where, you know, how are you connected to the story? It is your words, your honest, true words, honest to goodness, breathing, creating vulnerability and delivering it with articulated passion, whether that's laid in from a technique perspective or not, that is unpredictable that will captivate the room. So Jared said something at the beginning of this interview, and I don't know if maybe I just missed it with my connection. Well, what's the deal with the red sweater lady? <laughs> Why do people call you that? I know it's craziest brand, right? And every time I go anywhere now, people will, but before I even get there, they'll say, are you going to wear the red sweater? It's absolutely the greatest story. I was down in Austin, Texas. They had brought me down to be the expert for speaking and voice for eHow. And I showed up on set and I started filming the first video, which I was something about voice. And the director, yeah, he says, cut. And I said, what did I do wrong? I just, all I've done is introduce myself. He said, well, we have to call you something. And I said, will you call me Tracy? Tracy Goodwin? No, 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 no. We got to call you something. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to call me. He said, well, and I'm wearing the red sweater. He said, well, how about the red sweater lady? So we did, <laughs> I did 50, 60, 80 videos. I had no idea they were going to be exploding all over the internet like they were. People start searching for the red sweater lady, YouTube, <laughs> emails. Everybody's talking about the red sweater. Are you the red sweater lady? Nobody knows who my name is. They just want the red sweater lady. So it stuck. And I really kind of like it because red sweater, it's you're wrapped in confidence. And that's what I really like to give people is confidence because that's what they need. That's why they're afraid to write those words. That's why they're afraid to captivate the room. That's why they're afraid to be vulnerable and use their voice because they don't have the confidence. So I wrap them in a little red sweater and I give them confidence in their voice and their speaking. So that's the red sweater lady. And to this day, people still, where's the red sweater lady? Are you the red sweater lady? I'll get the Facebook, you know, they message me. Are you the red sweater lady? I'm looking for her. 
<laughs> I think Kamanzi could be like the tank top blogger. No, or I, like I, was just, I was just thinking about that, Jared. Last, I like it. Maybe not. The last two talks I gave, Jared, I was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. So I could be like the Hawaiian shirt dude. I like Actually, it. The, yeah, there you go. That could be it. But then what are you, Jared? What would you be? Oh, man. So when I introduce myself, Tracy, this is not necessarily voice, but I always introduce and say my name is Jared. And to females, I'll say Jared like the jewelry store. Ah. And to the guys, I'll say Jared like the subway guy. And that usually gets a little chuckle. And then people are more likely to remember my name. So it's not the red sweater lady, but it's some kind of way for people to remember me. Right. I like it. And then everybody remembers Kamanzi. He's unforgettable. (laughs) That's a good way to be unforgettable. Yep. All right. So as we start to wrap up, Tracy, who is doing something that interests you? You know, I'm, I, oh, wow. There's a lot of people that are doing things that interest me. Gosh, hard to pick. I'm quite smitten with Marie Forleo right now these days. I really like her. Gosh, I like so many people. There's so many people doing interesting things. Kate Northrup does some great stuff. Working with a mind mechanics woman in Australia, Francisca Moi, she's doing fascinating stuff. Really, all I, that's a hard question. The journey question was way easier. That was a given. <laughs> Journey's doing something that interests all of us. Well, always. Except for Monty. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Glee has that. <laughs> so we're good there. You know. Tracy, are we still friends? We are friends for life. Are okay, you good. kidding? We're friends I was forever. Worried. Never. Never. Worried. All right. So for myself and all the other friends that want to connect with you, where's the best places they connected with you online? Well, probably the website. I've, I actually have two websites and I'm the redsweaterlady.com and YouTube channel. Also my Tracy Goodwin, I have a YouTube channel or I have a new site out captivatetheroom.com and they can email me directly. They'll find my email address on both of those websites at whichever website they go to. That sounds great, Tracy. So uh, the final question, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Well, my final thought, obviously, I'm a huge believer in stepping into your voice power because I've just seen over 30 years now what it can do for you. It's a power piece. It's a confidence piece. All of those people who are afraid of public speaking, afraid of using their voice, have thought about it for years and years and years and years, run to the roar and finally be free and step into that power. It's there, it's waiting, and it's life-changing. So that would be my final thought is stop messing around and get going on your captivating the room skills. Well said. Tracy, best wishes to you, best wishes to captivate the room. Everything you're doing to help people with their vocal variety and their voice techniques and presentation skills. We really appreciate you taking time to be with us today on Star of the Doubts. Thank you. Thank you. I have loved being here. You guys are a hoot. voice is, it is truly the most powerful piece we have. It's the mouthpiece, no pun intended. You know, we get bogged down in the words, but it is the voice and what you do with it that has the power to change lives, yours and others. 
Podcast Movement 2015 is coming to Texas this summer, and we want you to be there. Join over 1,000 current and aspiring podcasters at the world's largest podcaster conference. Featuring Sarah Koenig of Serial, Roman Mars of 99% Invisible, Pat Flynn, Aisha Tyler, Lou Mangello, John Lee Dumas, and over 50 other speakers. All that's missing is you. Learn more and register now at podcastmovement.com. 